I want to begin this morning by praying for two sets of people. You might be here, you might not be here. It might be somebody you know or somebody related to you, somebody you have at home or in the hospital. But I want to pray. Where we read in Corinthians tells us that the preaching of the gospel is foolishness to some people. But to us who are believers, who are churchgoers, it is the power of God. The power of God. So we want to put that power of God to practice right now. It was Reverend Martin Luther of Germany who said, because of the task placed upon him in preaching the gospel to the congregation, in handling the affairs of the church, that he spent about six hours in prayers before starting his day. The Reverend Martin Luther of Germany, he spent about six hours in prayers before starting his day. Why? Because of the task upon him to preach to the congregation and to take care of the church. It's not strange when people spend time in prayers because of the task upon them to preach to the congregation and to take care of the church. I want to tell you this morning that the reason why I want to pray is because I have spent time to pray for this congregation and for what I'm going to say this morning. I'm not trying to be boastful. I just want to convince your mind. I have spent over two hours at a stretch to pray very early this morning for this congregation, for you, for St. George's Church, and for what I will have to say to you this morning. That is why I have the confidence to tell you I want to pray for two categories of people. It's not me. I believe it is God. Why am I saying this to you? I want your mind to be opened. Now, the first person or people I want to pray for, I don't know anything about them. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just praying because I have a leading in my spirit, what you will call a nudge, you know, like a prompting. Like, when you get there, do this, all right? So I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just doing it. So the first person or people, I don't know, they are people that have some kind of facial infection. They have infection on their face. I don't know if it is on the skin or if it's in the brain or in the ear or eye or nose or throat or wherever, but it's something around the face. I believe that I have a prompting to pray for such a person or people, whether they are here or at home for them to be healed. I believe God will heal somebody right now as we pray. Now, the second category are people. I don't know, I don't know what's wrong with them, but somehow they are, they are bound, you know, like they are, they are kept under lock and key or they are, you know, they are restricted. I don't know how. They are kept maybe, they're not allowed to go out because of certain certain, I don't know, you know, maybe we call it addiction or I don't know, or sick, I don't know. But 
that's my leading this morning. So maybe you have a person like that. I want you to join me in prayer. I'm not promising you or guaranteeing you that they will be healed. I'm just telling you that I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm just doing it because I prayed and I felt that, okay, pray for these people when you get there, okay? So can we pray? Heavenly Father, I don't claim to know what I'm doing. I don't claim to understand fully. But I know that when I prayed, I had a prompting. And I know from the Bible and from the stories of other great preachers of God, this is how you work. And so I'm just simply obeying you to pray for anyone here with skin infection on their faces, or whether it's bacteria or virus, I don't know what it is, or even if it is cancer, anywhere around their face, or somebody that is related to them, maybe their spouses or their son or their daughter, somebody at home right now, whether in Nashville or outside of Nashville, Lord, let your power reach such a person now and let that skin infection on the face or whatever it is, that disease around the face, be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, I pray again for that person who is bound, restricted, kept under lock and key, or just kept behind the doors in the room, in the house, or wherever it is, because of certain conditions. I pray for them right now. Let your power reach out to them and deliver them, set them free. Let that condition be reversed and let that person become normal right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Amen. Thank you very much. I want to say one more thing. The Christian life is... Life in the spirit. What I mean by that is the Christian life is life in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not like a babysitter. The Holy Spirit is not a babysitter. You know, it's just Jesus sent him to hang around us and just to babysit us, you know, and just follow us and watch over. You know, the Holy Spirit is not a babysitter. The Holy Spirit is your life. And my life, the Holy Spirit is your life and my life. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of the church. The life of the church is the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, the church has no life of its own. The church is dead. It cannot produce. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. And you will produce fruits. As you produce fruits, I will prune you. I will take care of you and make you produce more fruits. So the church is an organism. And the life of that organism is the Holy Spirit. So, the Holy Spirit lives within us. The Holy, Spirit, the Holy Spirit lives amongst us. And the Holy Spirit dwells around us. On the day of Pentecost, 
the Holy Ghost came upon them. It rested upon them, around them, and it went into them, within them. And their lives changed from that day onwards. And we were told that when they got to Antioch with the gospel, and when they started the church in Antioch, the people, the neighbors, when they observed them for a while, they nicknamed them. They gave them a name. They called them Christians. That name Christian was not given by the Pope or by the Bishop or even by Christ. No, it came from the people, the neighbors, those who are not Christians. They observed Christians. They looked at Christians, the way they lived their lives. The only way they could describe them is to say, these are Christians. And you know what it means to be a Christian? To be like Christ. That's what they called them. They looked at them and they said, these are Christ-like. These people look like Christ. These people behave like Christ. These people are walking like Christ. These people are talking like Christ. These people relate to themselves and to their community, to their neighbors, like Christ. They were like Christ, Christians, Christ-like. The Holy Spirit living in us makes us like Christ. We don't try to be like Christ by ourselves. We don't look up Christ in the encyclopedia of the Bible and say, oh, Christ is this, Christ is this, Christ is this. And then we try to go and imitate and copy him. No, we don't do that. Many of us try to do that. And some of us are still trying. And then we fail, right? I failed. But when the Holy Spirit comes into you, the Spirit of Christ, it transforms you. Well, it's not a it. He transforms you. He begins to change you from the inside. He begins to build in you the life of Christ. And your life begins to change. You begin to realize that certain things around you, certain things within you, they begin to fall off because they cannot fit into Christ. That is called pruning. Christ says, I have chosen you, ordained you to go and bear fruit. The more fruits you bear, I will prune you, and you will bear much fruits, more fruits. That is pruning. You begin to realize that certain attitudes, certain characters, certain beliefs, certain worldview, certain upbringing, certain culture, they begin to fall off from you. They begin to drop off on their own. Why? Because the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ is walking within you, the Holy Spirit. Today, we read in the Gospels, Sermon on the Mount. What is popularly, when I was growing up in elementary school and in high school, we were taught Christian education, and they call it the Beatitudes. That's what they call this Sermon on the Mount. Blessed art thou, blessed art thou. They call it the Beatitudes, or the Attitudes to be, <laughs> or the best attitudes to be, the best attitudes to have. 
These attitudes don't come because we look at them and we mark them, we study them, and then we try to copy them. We try to be like them. We try to imitate them. No, they don't come like that because you can't succeed by trying. They come when the Holy Spirit lives in you, when the Holy Spirit walks in you. They come when you submit to the Holy Spirit. They come when you yield to the Holy Spirit. When we drive on the road, we come to a four-cross uh, junction, and we see the sign, yield. It's not telling you to surrender your will. It's not telling you that somebody is going to take control over your life. It's not telling you that you are going to cease to be in charge of yourself. No, it's simply telling you to allow the other person <laughs> to go first. And after that, you can go. Hallelujah. That is what we do. To the, that is how we walk with the Holy Spirit. We yield to the Spirit of Christ in us. He speaks to us. He talks to us in a still, small voice, in a gentle voice. Now, let me say the next thing I said I will say at this junction. I bring you a word of prophecy. You see, the Holy Spirit causes in us to prophesy. So I want to prophesy to somebody here this morning. And what I'm saying is, God gave me a message for you. I don't know who you are. I don't know how many of you. But when I was praying this morning, God gave me a message for you. It's called prophecy, right? When God gives a message, a specific message, it's called prophecy. So I want to prophesy to somebody here. God gave me a message for you, and the message is this. Now, I'm not saying you should take it or accept it or believe me. Don't, you, you don't have to believe me. You don't have to take it. Just hear it, okay? It's just okay. The message is this. You have allowed screen screens to block your eyes, to block your mind from Christ. I repeat, you have allowed some screens or you have placed screens before your eyes, before your mind, and those screens are blocking you from Christ. I don't know what that means, but I'm sure if you are that person, you know. Again, you have built something like a shield around you. You have built a shield around you from Christ. I don't know what that shield is. I don't know what it is, but that's the message I, I, I believe I am prompted to say to somebody here this morning, a message from God. And God is asking me to tell you, well, uh, I'm not saying God spoke to me, please. I'm controlling my language. But I've, I feel that I should tell you, and I think it's inspired from God, that you should remove this screen. Take off the shield. And embrace Christ. Embrace the gospel of Christ. It's good for you. It will help you. It will save your soul. Now, that's the message. I've passed it along, um, whoever it is. Now, let me continue my, my, my sermon. I will soon stop. Have I preached for over 15 minutes now? Okay. Okay, all right. I'll stop here now. Um, so, the, the, the Beatitudes are not something we try to copy or imitate. 
but it's something that when we yield to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit works in us. We may not know, we may not understand, we may not be able to calculate how, how he does it, but we rise up, we go to bed, we rise up every now and then, and then we notice that our lives are improving, our lives are changing, our lives are becoming better. It is the working of the Holy Spirit. Now I end up with this. How can you, or how do you, how do I walk more and more in these steps that Christ have listed out? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are you who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when men shall speak evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted even the prophets. Now, how can I, how can you live such a blessed life? The word blessed is happy. How can I, how can you live such a happy life? How do I achieve this great feat? St. Augustine, in his commentary on this chapter, he said, this Sermon on the Mount is the highest form of morality, and it is the highest standard of the Christian life. How can I achieve the highest form of morality? How can I achieve the highest standard of the Christian life? Number one, spend time with Jesus. Sarah Poirier, last week, she preached on three things, right? The call, follow, and fishing. To spend time with Jesus is to answer the call to be with Jesus. How do you spend time with Jesus? Prayer. Try and pray every day. Five minutes, two minutes, ten minutes, thirty minutes. Read the Bible. That time, that period you are doing that, you are being with Jesus. Believe me. You are staying with Jesus. When you stay with Jesus, Jesus enters into you. I mean, what I mean is there's a transfer, a transference of nature. There is an integration of nature between you and Jesus. Anytime you spend time quietly on your own, you are praying, you are talking to God, God is exchanging his life with your life, his character with your character, his nature with your nature. That is how we build these beatitudes, these best attitudes. The more time you spend in prayer with God, with Jesus, the more you realize your lives are characterized or is characterized by these attitudes. Number two, look at the attitudes. It says, blessed are you. And he points you to other people. Jesus pointed to other people. He said, when people do this to you, when this happens, when you do this to people. So number two, think more of the other people than yourself. When you spend more time to think about how you can be of help to others, how you can be a blessing to others, how you can love other people, how you can make other people comfortable, how you can help, think about others. If you always think about 
what you will contribute to the other people, to the community, to what you can do for others to improve. When you think always of doing for other people and not just for yourself what you will gain, of course you will gain definitely, but you're not thinking of what I will gain, what I will make. No, you're thinking of what can I contribute. When you live that kind of life of trying to be a blessing to people, you will find these beatitudes just naturally flowing out of you. That's the life of Christ. And number three, when you spend time to volunteer, we volunteer in the church, in the choir, in the Sunday school, in essential classes. What group do you belong to in the church? Where are you serving in the church? Do you serve in the community? Do you volunteer? When you do that, these be attitudes will naturally flow out of your life because it is by being with Christ, by thinking more of what you can contribute to others and by serving others that these attitudes flow from your life naturally. Amen.